0: Hello and welcome to the B2B Sales Playbook Podcast, brought to you, as always, by Lead Forensics. I'm your host, Joe Ducaro. This episode is the audio taken from the webinar we ran a few weeks ago entitled, The Importance of Building Rapport in Sales and Marketing. I was joined for this by Christina Garnett, Principal Marketing Manager for HubSpot, who offered up some excellent advice on exactly how to and why it's important to build rapport. There's a lot to take away from this episode, so without further ado, please enjoy the Building Rapport Playbook with Christina Garnett. So let's start off. I was always taught when you're discussing any sort of topic, step one is define your terms. So, when we say mm-hmm. building rapport, what exactly do we mean by that and why is it important?
1: Yeah, I think you're, it's essentially the idea of like planting seeds so that you're able to learn just a little bit more about people. You feel more comfortable with them, you trust them. And as you foster and deepen that connection, it's going to open doors for you, opportunities, maybe sales, um, things like that.
0: And I think, I mean, we were talking just before we started recording, and I think you've got a real-world example from today as yeah. we record this <laughs> of why it's so important to build rapport before going in with uh, with the sales pitch. So do you want to just talk us through that one?
1: Absolutely. So I, like many people on the on this planet, um, I'm an avid LinkedIn user, and I got a message on my in my email basically saying, like, hey, just wanted to make sure that you saw my message. And the previous message was, Hey, dot, 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 insert pitch. And I understand, I understand that the economy is not in a happy place. I understand that a lot of people have a lot of pressure on them and they're trying to do things, but it doesn't change the fact that as a consumer, when I see that, I feel like I'm just a number to you. And I, as a marketer, a lot of my work is to make sure that people don't feel like numbers. And so, um, I went on Twitter to basically kind of share my frustration. Like my silence was my response. Like I can give you a response, but my silence is nicer. Like, just take my silence. (laughs) Um, and so a lot of people agreed with me. There was a couple of people who were kind of like, oh, how dare you? Um, but for me, my entire work is built off of building relationships. And so I'm not saying like, don't do your job. I'm saying build that rapport and that relationship with people so that that's, what's going to help you do business. If I trust you, if I respect you, if I know that you care, if, Mm. if I can tell that you only ping me whenever you need to hit quota, I'm going to feel that and I'm going to feel used. And so I think that you can have empathy for both sides, both the sales team, as well as the people who are being pitched to. But I think that we need to be very aware of how, when you communicate with them and your first thing is an ask, like, I don't know you from Adam but you're going to introduce to me yourself to me and immediately just imagine how you feel when someone comes up to you and the first thing they want to do is ask you for a favor. That that's not ideal.
0: Yeah, it it can be quite the barrier, isn't it? And particularly in a sales sense where I think, you know, we all mm-hmm. we all understand the game and the facts that, you know, you th- you mentioned something earlier, actually, uh, just before we, we started. You mentioned that, you know, you operate on a, a quality rather than a quantity sort of quota. And obviously, it's mm-hmm. it's very easy to slip into the quantity side of things when it comes yeah. to, you know, getting in touch with people for, you know, for sale, in touch with prospects and stuff. So to, to that end, then, how do you begin building a rapport with a prospect you've never even met before?
1: I would find out where they are. It doesn't take as much time as people think, it's those little micro moments that you have to create. So there's it's understood that there's a certain number of touches that takes that it takes for sales to 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 essentially get through that deal and close it. But some of those touches, you need to be very thoughtful about, hey, it isn't I just checked in to get an update. It's I want to know how you're doing. I wanna know, like, do you have any questions? Are there concerns? Or is there anything I can help with? Because people can tell when you care. Mm. And if you're if each touch is Here's the pricing. Did your leadership have questions? I'm just resurfacing that. That's not the touch you think it is. It feels like you're just like checking off the touches in your Mm. CRM and saying like, all right, I did that one.
0: It's like a very thinly veiled mask, isn't it? It's very, like you say, you can tell when someone's being inauthentic, even if it is to the point of, you know, you're saying all the right things effectively, but you just don't get a sense that they mean them.
1: And also when you, when you focus on quantity and granted, like I said, I understand quotas are hard, but when you focus on that, those people also feel like their quota, they feel like they know that you're one of 30, one of 50, one of 100, one of 500 that you're and all those people that you close, you think, well, maybe it just didn't work. Maybe their leadership didn't agree, but also there's some deals that you've lost because you didn't make them feel special enough. Hmm. You didn't make it personal enough. You made it very clear. This is the pitch. And so, whether people agree with me or not, I think, it's, I think it's important to understand that there are a lot of consumers who they are choosing not to do business with people because of how they are treated, because of how they feel, because of the, not just what, how they were taken care of. And also, you have to remember, too, the sales process, whether it's true or not, feels like an indicator of how they can be treated throughout the rest of their process as a a customer. So if I feel like you're rushing me through the sales process and you're not answering my questions and you're not taking care of me, or you're being a bit aggressive, then I'm gonna assume when I'm a customer, that's not gonna magically get better. Mm. I'm gonna assume that your sales is indicative of how I'm gonna be treated as a customer for the life of the product. And so all I'm asking for is just a little bit of that, like just add one touch, Add one touch that's specifically like I'm going to comment on one of your LinkedIn posts or I'm going to um, mention a tweet that I saw from you, but I'm going to show in like one or two sentences that I'm paying attention to you. That does a lot. And then when you try to talk to me later on, I'm going to remember, oh, I recognize that name. He or she had mentioned like this. They had said this on this comment. Okay, I recognize them. It takes seconds to do that, but it starts planting those seeds that you can then reap later. Mm. And so I think it's just really important. I, it takes time, but it doesn't take a lot of time to do those individual moments. And it makes a huge difference in how people feel about you.
0: And I think, I mean, it comes up, you know, I, I say that it's almost virtually the motto of, of every podcast and, and webinar that I do for Lead Forensics is that people buy from people. And if you can nurture that relationship to a point where they, you know, you've just shown yourself to be human to each mm-hmm. other, you know, you've maybe shared just yeah. a little, vi- you know, it can be something as easy as knowing what baseball team that they cheer for, or yeah, you know, showing a little vulnerability, like oh, you know, here's what I'm up to here, you know, that that sort of thing, just engaging, engaging with with them on a on a more personal level rather than just going in with let me sell this to you um
1: yeah and celebrating those little wins it's all about those like micro moments those core memories and there's been this thing especially since we've with lockdown how we've all kind of become disgustingly focused on living online myself included i basically live online now and the whole idea of like strangers help us and celebrate us more than some of our like in real life friends and family do be a cheerleader for the people you want to connect with if they ha- if they were featured love on them if they're having a birthday love on them if they are if they got promoted love on them and not just do like the auto responders that like linkedin will show you when someone does p- a post like literally spend five seconds if that's the thing is the diff what i want sales to do is give me that extra five seconds
0: Absolutely. Give me that,
1: Absolutely. give me that little thing that's like, oh, this is so cool. I just saw this. Or something that I know isn't wasn't like an auto complete.
0: Mm. Give me
1: that five seconds. And that five seconds over time, I'm gonna see this person takes just a couple more seconds with me. And you're not gonna do that if you don't care. You're just gonna be like, boop, likewise.
0: <laughs> and
1: so that's why, that's what I'm asking for. It's just that I'm not asking for a full like systemic change but just like five seconds that extra personal touch even if it's just once just do that it'll make a difference
0: absolutely and i mean the thing that what you risk there is actually something that i i recorded a podcast um with celine schillinger who wrote um uh dare to unlead and she's very much big on uh, on leadership techniques and we got onto the subject of ai and um mm-hmm. She told me the story of how she received an email f- from, you know, a, a company trying to sell us that. And she said the reason that she immediately deleted that email and disregarded that company entirely was because she could tell it was a mass produced email that wasn't specifically targeted at her as a person it was clearly Mm -hmm. just a bulk email that they had gotten this piece of ai software to write and just send out to everyone because she realized there was a technicality that was like well that's clearly not for me so it goes straight in the in the trash you know so yeah um just to to stay on something that you you mentioned there about you know living as you put it disgustingly online
1: (laughs) i get off it now
0: (laughs) how, how do you go about building rapport in, in a virtual sales environment? Is it easier? Is it harder, do you think? What, what are your thoughts on that one?
1: I think it's harder. There's a lot of nuance that you can't have online, either because it's in written, so you're there's a lack of tone. You're not able to really see like the human piece. I think that that's also why that extra five seconds is so much more important now, mm. because If I could take you out to dinner or I could take you out to lunch or we could meet up on the golf course or we could do all of these things, it's deeply human. I know I'm going to be able to figure out like what's your beer of choice? What makes you laugh? Like there's a reason why like in the past, it was always like the deals are made on the golf course because it's deeply human. You're doing something fun ideally and you're doing something that just, because I can focus on this and because you're willing to do this with me, we're going to make this deal. Cause like, I know you, Mm. I know, I know what your handicap is. I know what your swing is. I know, like, I know if I can beat you or not, like it's deeply human. And as we're moving to online, I feel like that's where we've switched. That's where we have to like send out a million emails and, and with the hope of doing that. But what we've missed is we've missed the golf course. We don't have the human element anymore. So it's the little things that kind of recapture that humanity that makes the world a difference. Because I, I don't know what makes you laugh. I've, I've never, shook like, shaken your hand. I, I've never, like, done any of those things. So on social, I just know what you've shared. And depending mm. on how wild you are on social or how, how, like, tied up you are, you could have a very polished LinkedIn, and I have no idea about, your, about you personally. I just know that you do bop, bop, bop. So... Anything that you can do to infuse that sense of humanity, that's what's going to foster connection. That's what's going to make people want to like, Oh, I love hanging out with him. He's hilarious. Or I love hanging out with her. She's great. She knows everybody, whatever that is as, as sales and as marketers and as, as people in community specifically, you wind up becoming the face. And so you kind of embody what they hope to see like, Oh, they're really funny. Or they're really kind or, Hey, if I reach out to them, I know they're going to respond and they're going to help me, whatever that looks like, but it's that humanity element that's missing. And so you need to be thoughtful. Like, how are you connecting with them? How are you making them feel? I find that so much of my work and it's, you have to figure out how to track it, but so much of it runs on vibes. How do I make you feel? And how does that make our relationship stronger or weaker? And then because of that, you're gonna do these specific behaviors. And those behaviors we can then track and see, like, is this actually creating business impact? But it all starts with, but well, how do they feel? And for me, that's it's vibes, it's relationships. It's I have people who know that they can come to me if there's a problem and they know that I will help them or I will find someone who will. But that takes time. Hmm. But that that trust doesn't exist in a, in a vacuum. You have to nurture that. You have to continually foster it and grow it. You have to water it. You have to take care of it. And so, but you have to start with those little like five second increments. That just a little bit of extra. You DM me, I'm going to DM you back. Oh, you emailed me, I'm going to email you back. It's not going to be an automated. It's going to be like, hey. And just talking like yourself too. Mm. Like I like. Everything doesn't need to be Times New Roman, MPA like <laughs> you talk like a human. Talk like how you are. If your emails are like very stuffy and then I get on a Zoom call with you and I'm like, "He's like sarcastic and funny. That wasn't what I was expecting." Like even that create that fosters relationships. I know what I can expect from you. I know how we can work together. You're like very funny or you're sarcastic or you're whatever. It's those little nuggets that foster that because they're deeply human. And so, as we live online, find out how are you human online. What what kind of shows your inner light, essentially?
0: Absolutely. And just to reinforce what you're saying, you know, I, I mentioned at the, the top of this conversation that I, I absolutely wanted to to get you on to have this conversation, and that's simply because. We were doing a webinar and you gave a throwaway answer that referenced Doctor Strange. <laughs> and I was like Great. We have something. I love Marvel. <laughs> yeah. You know, or or Tolkien or, or film or yeah. that like you know, narrative theory that we you know, it turns out we've both studied. So that's precisely yeah. it was like literally within a split second I was like, Okay, you've shown me a window into who you are personally and that meant that mm-hmm. you know, I, I felt comfortable say, Let's have this conversation because I think we yeah. get on absolutely great um yep so how how can i mean we've we've discussed about how it you know it literally it does take five seconds just to appear you know um to present yourself as more human than just you know a worker in a company but the the flip side of that then i i wonder how how easy is it for sales to balance you know, building that rapport with their prospects while also meeting their sales targets because it is a pressure it's a it's a high pressure environment
1: i I think it's very difficult i think it's very difficult i think that it's i feel like with marketers because we're always chasing trends and we're always keeping up to date with new things we've accepted that we have to adapt like it's just who we are Hmm. sales it's very much, they're so focused on like hitting the quotas and doing what they need to do that it's, that's not ingrained in their thing. So they've had all these changes that have happened. They're having to adapt, but they don't have the time to adapt. So like one of the things, one of the people who disagreed with me and basically said like, but that's not how it works. And He's right, that's not how it works, but that's a like that's a systemic problem mm. that like sales across the board needs to. I feel like you have these waves when everyone realized like LinkedIn could be used for sales and this is how they do it. Like they basically all took the same class at the same time and then we all saw a wave of like the exact same tactics used like across industry, across like region. And so it's one of those things that I think with with the invention of AI with this focus on more people being like virtual instead of in person and in some places hybrid, it's incredibly hard. So for me, I'm asking sales leaders, like, is there an opportunity for you to give them that five second window, that five second barrier to say like out of all of these. And that's also why I like like ABM so much is because that kind of gives you an, an opening to do more specific, personalized content and reach out and things like that. So you could have a ton of people that you're talking to, but like you're able to like hyper segment. I really like that, hmm. but I think it's, it's, it's not a light switch thing. It's not like something like, okay, cool. We implemented it. We're done. I think it's very much something that I hope we'll see. I hope that sales and marketing will talk more to each other and, and have more of that alignment where they talk about how like, I'm not asking you to change everything. I'm just asking you to give five seconds. Just give me five seconds of that. Give me one touch that isn't about a pitch. Give me that, um, but that's gonna take time. But to, long, long story short, it's very difficult. It's, 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 a, it's a massive change. And I think that anytime you have that, um, that creative destruction they have an economics with, when what we're seeing with AI is you're having this, this fear of all these jobs being lost because of it, but it also creates new jobs because of it, and so you have this, this kind of pendulum swing of loss and gain, um, based on any time we see innovation, and AI is clearly mm. a major innovation.
0: I mean, I I do wonder about the the AI thing because I can't remember who it was I was having a conversation with, but, oh, that was right. It was um, Aaron Evans from Flow State, And he said, you know, we got the phone and then phone sales went crazy and then we destroyed the phone and then we got email and then email sales went crazy and then we destroyed the email. And he said, I I really hope it doesn't happen with a video, but I do wonder if it's going to happen with AI now because everybody's jumping onto it. It does make it very difficult to keep that human element when there's what seems to be a very sort a of, uh, quick solution just like just chuck it in AI, just do that. Okay, but are we gonna lose this, you know, the the, mm-hmm. the connection side of things? Um, well
1: it, it becomes an issue of if everyone I mentioned this um last week to somebody about like that's the best way to kill the cover letter. The best way to kill mm. the cover letter is to make sure that everyone uses AI on the cover letter and then it's no longer a differentiator and then like so, Done. We don't need it anymore. <laughs> That's probably a positive <laughs> way to destroy <laughs> something through AI. Um, now, I think I think it really comes down to using things as a tool, and if it's if it becomes like your singular way of attack, then it's clearly going to become oversaturated, and then you're going to see things where it's like it no longer becomes effective. I think it also um, Ogilvy made um, a quote about like. The consumer isn't an idiot. It's your wife or it's like somebody else. I think that we, because we are so kind of stuck in the nuance of everything that we do and we're staying updated, we assume that all consumers are idiots and they're not. They recognize patterns. Like there's a reason why you get taught patterns in like second or third grade in school. Like it's, it's not hard. Once we see like two or three DMs that have like the same kind of recipe, Mm. I know what that is absolutely um the super bowl commercial same thing we saw something very similar to that like everything kind of felt like insert basic idea with a celeb it'll work it'll be fine because there's a celeb there that'll get their attention and over time it just over the course of the night it was very clear like none of these are working because the idea was just the celeb there was nothing attached to the celeb to make it actually worthwhile versus like duncan did a great job with ben affleck because there's a meme of him being like a massive duncan fan and so that worked because the idea plus him could stand alone but it wasn't just like if he's in it, it'll be it'll be enough and so things like that
0: mm, absolutely well to, to stay on a a similar theme of you know using Uh, storytelling within Super Bowl adverts I suppose telling the story of Ben Affleck loving Duncan (laughs) Mm -hmm. how can salespeople go about using storytelling to build rapport with Mm -hmm. prospects
1: they have to be able to prove that they understand what the prospect is dealing with and they have to understand that there's like multiple parts of that journey so the person that you're talking to could be the person who is not the decision maker they want the tool but they have to have their pitch plus your pitch in order to strengthen it and get it to leadership. So they're basically like, please be my ally. I wanna make this work. How can we make this good enough so I can pitch to leadership and get it done? Other times you could be talking to someone who's being held and this is like a to-do list for them. I just need you to talk through this and go through the process. They may not have any idea what the product is. They may have no understanding of how it's gonna work for them or what, what problems it's gonna solve. You could have everything from the most educated prospect who knows absolute, who knows more about your pitch than you do, who literally is like, I just need pricing. Just give me pricing. We'll call it a day. All the way up to, I'm just being told I need to talk to you. This is just on my calendar. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. have to be prepared for all of them. And you have to be prepared and do your homework for the same reasons that, like, if you're interviewing for a job, you should prove that you've done your homework and you understand what they do. The thing that kills me, absolutely kills me, is when there's no homework done. Like if your call DM is, hey, just would love to get on a call with you and like see, learn more about what you do. I'm like, mm. You're messaging me on LinkedIn and my LinkedIn's pretty clear. Like what what else do you want to know? Like, I'm confused. Things like that where it's it's kind of like I'm gonna play stupid to get you to like talk to me. And it's like, no, we're all adults. Like <laughs> you can read a LinkedIn profile. I know you can tell me, tell me, tell me what you want to know. So things like that, it, it really comes down to empathizing, understanding the different challenges that people have, being prepared for prospects of all educated status, from decision maker to someone who's going to have to like raise it up the flagpole. Um, and being able to do it thoughtfully, understanding that like, I know your brand, I know where you work, I know exactly what you offer, I already know how we could implement it for you. Like, mm. that's the thing that kills me is, you could go in and not only pitch me your product, but tell me how I could use it, where I could use it. And if I was already thinking about that, kind of like when I said Dr. Strange, you're like, ooh, she's a Marvel fan. If you are pitching me something and you are able to present it to me in the use case that I was already thinking about, and it shows just like such a strong knowledge of like what I'm doing, that's, that's going to create rapport with me because I'm like, oh, he gets it. Oh, she gets it. Like they understand. They understand me that's a huge way to get past a lot of barriers because having someone on the other end of the line and you like, they get it, they get it. They completely understand what I need. They're going to be able to take care of me. That's huge. Now that could happen in one touch because you did five seconds of research and you did that little thing, things like that. So I think I feel like that's the message. Like, give me five seconds.
0: Give me five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that would be the tagline for the for this yeah. podcast episode i think christina <laughs> it, yeah and um the the having the what my father called the internal salesperson as well the advocate mm-hmm. on the inside yeah. he said the, the number of times that that saved us like trying yeah. to make a deal the number of times that we were telling them how we would solve their problems but then somebody on their team was turning to their leadership going we really, really need this. They know what they're doing. And he said, honestly. And
1: you don't get that from a pitch. You absolutely. get that because of relationships, 100%. <laughs> it's all about relationships. It might not show up as quickly as you'd like, but it shows up. The relationship always, it always like, oh, okay. <laughs> and those are people who will stay with you. If you can get advocates that you foster relationships and they've, you've developed that trust with them, not only are they going to be an advocate at their current job, they're going to be an advocate for you their entire career. So that person could go to multiple jobs. And as their career is going up, they're going higher and higher and higher till they are the decision maker. Yeah, Where you that. have that person, like that person's in your pocket already. Like <laughs> I already know, I already know they're going to come to us. And so as soon as they, and that's the thing, like those advocates, they get a they get a job anniversary. You are in their DMs thanking them celebrating them, sending them a little swag box, they get a new job. Oh, you are hitting them hard. I am so proud of you. Congratulations. We got to We got to check. We got to, we got to catch up. Like it's just the little things. If you just talk to your prospects, like friends, like not overly friendly, Mm -hmm. but just like, Hey, I care. Congratulations. That's awesome for you. That's, it makes a world of difference because people know they pay attention to who's clapping for them. They, they do, they 100% pay attention. And it's such an easy way, Take takes seconds.
0: Yeah, it, it just come back to sort of, you know, the whole just being kind is the, you know, just mm-hmm. being nice, you know, DBAD, nope. you know, that's nope. the rule.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, true, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Um, Christina this has been a, a real joy to have this conversation with you It's been absolutely fascinating particularly when you come you know with a real world example <laughs> I'm ready on to Recorded, recording so I, <laughs> I hugely value that if you if you had one i I feel I think I know what you're going to say for this but if you had one top tip one key takeaway for everybody listening to this podcast today what would that be on building rapport?
1: I would think about how you would like to be treated. And if you treat, if someone treated you the way that you're about to treat that person, how would that make you feel? Would that make you want to do business with them? Would that make them want to set up a meeting with you? Or would they want to ghost you?
0: Absolutely. It's one of the earliest lessons we're taught as people,
1: right? Mm-hmm. That's yep.
0: From day one almost. Yep. Christina, thank you so much for joining me for the B2B Sales Playbook.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, there you go. Christina Garnett on the B2B Sales Playbook podcast. Our key takeaways then. A lack of rapport can make consumers feel just like a number, leading to frustration and a lack of trust. To build rapport, find out where the prospect is, ask about their concerns and questions, and make each touchpoint personal. Incorporating a sense of humanity in sales and marketing fosters stronger connections with customers and creates trust. Being kind and empathetic towards prospects can establish trust and get past barriers, then nurturing those relationships with internal advocates can benefit you greatly in the long run. Thanks again to Christina for joining me and thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe to the B2B Sales Playbook podcast wherever you get your podcasts and rate us five stars where possible. I'll be back next week with another B2B Sales Playbook podcast.